Before you dive into this exciting episode, I'd like to let you know about the Squash Playbook, your tactical blueprint for success. The playbook is written based on the most common solutions I have given to the people I coach over the last 20 years. It is the ultimate how-to guide for any squash fan, and you can grab a free copy right away by visiting squashplaybook.com or clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you freaked out by that hard-hitting hacker? Frustrated with running out of ideas against the relentless retriever? Want to close out matches more clinically when in the lead? Or do you need some mental tools to overcome bad calls by referees? These answers plus many more have been brought together all in one place for the squash community. The Squash Playbook is a practical toolkit that breaks down over 40 scenarios that are most commonly faced on the court. Each scenario provides the psychology and the strategy needed to get a positive result. Each chapter wraps up with the top six key points to keep things simple and practical. The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, squash community. Hope everyone is doing really well out there, keeping themselves fit and strong, but even more importantly, keeping themselves mentally in good shape. So today, I am really delighted to be joined by Hania Al-Hamami. I think most of us know who she is by now. The young Egyptian rising star, you know, currently completely ripping up the game, challenging the top players. As of recording, she's ranked number five in the world and she's only 20 years of age. So, you know, really at this young age, competing with those top players. So I can't even call her a rising star because, you know, she's she's currently there. She's in that mix. She sounds so determined to become world number one and world champion. We have a, a good conversation and reflect a bit on her junior days, and she's only just out of the junior days, but also then take a little bit of a deeper dive into some of her more special and more important PSA wins in her career. She's won five British Junior Open titles. She hasn't actually won the world junior title, and we talk about this and we go into some of the details of how this has spurred her on. And we reflect on a few of her big matches, the Black Ball Open in particular, when she was 19 years of age, having one of the most phenomenal tournaments that that anyone could have expected or imagined, and just seeing her go round by round and gaining in confidence. We talk about self-belief, we talk about confidence, we talk about how her athletic style and the way she plays contributes to her mental toughness. We go into the relationship between her and her coach, and we also take a little bit of a deep dive into her analytical brain and how she tries to speak to herself and what motivates her she reflects on many matches that she's been to love down and come back and won and how that's given her a lot of motivation we also go into quite a bit of detail about her role models and who has inspired her as a youngster and actually playing these role models a little bit later on and how she deals with that so I think you're going to find this chat very enlightening, very enthusiastic. She lights up. She is just an absolute joy to talk to and discuss things with. 
even before starting recording, she she said that she loves the mind and is really curious about what's going on there. So we were on the same page pretty much straight away. And to be able to have the opportunity to speak to a 20-year-old about their mind for me is is just is, is super fascinating. We are investigating things that you know, is really deep and things that, that make the difference between, you know, world champions and not quite world champions. So to be able to have this chat with her now has been really cool. And it's going to be interesting to maybe have a look in five years, 10 years time, maybe revisiting this chat and, and discussing where she was at at 20 years old and what she might be like at 25 and 30. So I hope you enjoy this chat. I certainly did as always and getting curious about the mind. So please welcome to the show, Hania El Hamami. Hania Al Hamami, welcome to the next episode of the Squash Mind podcast series. How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm very good. How are you, Jesse? Yeah, good. We we're just having a little chat before we started recording. Um, I think I think we're all having to adapt, aren't we? You know, we're all having to think a little bit differently in these times. But no, it's been 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 good on my side. But listen, this is about you. This is about your mind, and and I'm I'm just so glad you can join me today because you know watching you over the last couple of years, um, I've actually done some anal- analyzing of your game for squash skills. So to get the chance to talk to you is really cool. But I think a good place to start would be you know to ask you about your influences when you were a junior. Who, who do you think was influencing you the most as you were coming up? Um, I think I was I was influenced maybe by watching all the, the top players. And that was something that really helped me to grow. And um, definitely, I was I, I think I was really obsessed with the, with tournaments and matches. I, I know that when I was junior, I used to play senior tournaments. But then I used to, to get out of tournaments after the first or second round. So I used to be so obsessed of keeping up with the tournament, keeping up with the players and watching the matches and sometimes doing some bets with my family. <laughs> I think this player is going to win or this one is going to win. So um, I think I used to watch a lot of squash when I was a junior and that's something that really, really made me learn a lot, I think. Yeah, it seems like the Egyptian model, you, you're, you're so exposed to so much squash so early on and, and it, it looks like it creates a lot of mental toughness and, and, and deep thinking about the game. Can you talk a little bit about that, the idea of playing as a junior, but then also going to senior tournaments and, and how that worked for you, having to go between both of them? Um, actually, it was, it was really, I don't know, it was weird. I was going to junior. Um, I remember that word juniors. I think that I lost in the semifinals, and then and then I had to go to Hong Kong a week later. And in this tournament, I played against Dora Masaro, and I lost in five. And that was one of my biggest matches as I was a junior. So I think that after I lost in this word junior, I went to Hong Kong really wanting to release all the pressure, and I really wanted to play really well against Laura, of course. Um, so it's definitely a different mindset. Uh, in juniors, I think things were a little bit, um, I was nervous during juniors and I always wanted to, to win as I was one of the seated. So, um, Mm. so it's a definitely, it's a different mindset. When I was a junior and playing the, the senior tournament, it was completely different. I was definitely an underdog and definitely someone that wants to to prove to prove himself mm. so um so i think yeah it's completely different yeah that's that's quite a quite a cool way to train yourself isn't it you know going from the juniors where you you're one of the highest seeds there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of expectation but then very quickly you you play pro matches a, a few days later and the whole mindset shifts so you're learning to play both from in front and the leader but then also learning how to be the underdog and can you remember how you dealt with that or how your mindset changed how you dealt with the pressure of a junior and then how you went into a relaxed mode to play pro I, I don't quite remember, but what I remember the most is that how surprised I was for myself after Laura's match, because I was like, where did this performance go a week later? Because I couldn't find it. So I think it was all in the mind. It was all really something I couldn't control it at the time because I was really young. But I think that um, I think that during juniors, I was just so stressed, so nervous, and I wanted to play the best I have. So that made me play the worst I have. Mm. So, um, 
So yeah, I think that's the thing. Yeah, you you definitely see that happen with with expectation and pressure. You know, you, you end up playing playing a little bit worse. And just with that Laura match, it obviously sounds very special to you, and rightly so. Were you able to reflect on that Laura match and 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 try use some of those mental skills you played with Laura and transfer them to the juniors? Can you remember any of that, or, or how did you go about that process? Um, I don't think that I really did anything about that match back then. Um, obviously I didn't get a win against Laura before she retired. Yeah. Uh, I played against her a few times later and then I lost in three. So it wasn't that I, I took it really in a good way. I, I think that this five setters I played, um, it just, it gave me, it gave me this confidence that even if I play bad in a week, it's, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's not mm. that I'm a bad player or something just means that I couldn't handle my emotions and I couldn't handle the pressure. So definitely what I learned from Laura's match is that definitely being relaxed and definitely thinking about playing, get the flow mm. is, uh, is really, is really important. Yeah, no, yeah. It sounds like an, an evident form from how you're playing at the moment, which is, is great to see. And I'm quite curious uh, again to, to maybe go into your mind with this one is, you know, losing in the final of the world junior championships to uh, Rowan Alarabi. What did this do for you? Did it spur you on? Did it motivate you? Did it make you a bit upset, obviously? Can you talk about that? Uh, well, if I talk at the time when I lost, of course, I was definitely upset and I wasn't happy at all. Um, but yeah, I think I've received a lot of messages from many players and they were trying to cheer me up and they were like, you know, many, many, many great players on the PSA didn't win a World a a Junior and um, look at Chibana or look at Camille or look at any other player who didn't win a junior, mm. a junior. So um, that's something that I had to take. And I, at first I couldn't accept the idea. And I was like, I have to win a world junior. I was seeded to win the tournament twice or something and I couldn't. So I was really upset and not upset because I didn't win. It's just that I, I knew I was, I have better than this, but I couldn't perform or I couldn't show it. Mm-hmm. So um so then, yeah, after the juniors, after I was done with my junior career, obviously I had to, to look into a different perspective. And, and then I, I, I saw that, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whatever I do in the juniors. It's completely, it's a different level. It's a different, it's different players as well. And um, different kind of pressure, I have to say. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and, and that definitely helps me to, um, to, to get, stronger maybe mentally because if I compare myself now and when I was a junior I would definitely say that I'm much more stronger mentally now yeah you you hear stories of 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 setbacks and and people using setbacks and and um uh, failure is a harsh word but but using that 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 setback as um as as the motivation the fuel to look at things differently try things differently and you know evidently from where you are at the moment as recording your your number five in the world and and just doing some flipping awesome things um which is great but a little bit more look at your junior career um look at the british junior open you know that you you've you've got how many titles of the british junior open have you won five i think five amazing so obviously you've got those in your bag can you talk about that can you talk about how special that was and what that meant for you getting those titles as british junior open champion definitely it meant a lot Uh, actually i have so many great memories uh, for the british junior open and that was something that i i didn't know how it happened but i was like I I played really well in all the British Junior Opens and I didn't it didn't seem that I had a problem with them. I was like, okay, uh, I'm fine. Even though I had the title and I had to defend so many titles, so it was it it was so weird for me that I was I was able to to like handle the pressure in the British Junior Open, but not in the World Juniors. Mm. And I was actually playing the same players, so it wasn't it wasn't that weird. So. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it's definitely something mentally that at the time I couldn't handle. Um, yeah. But yeah, if I look back, I would definitely. I wish I can play one more junior open, to be honest. 
Yeah, it sounds like you you got fond memories as you're speaking. You're lighting up and 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 yeah. talking about it, which is which is great. And just before we start a recording, you you said to me that you're you're really fascinated about the mind and sport and in squash. So you know, it already looks like at a young age you are you're thinking deeply about this. You're analyzing it, which I believe you know this is a big part of what I'm trying to do as well is 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 grow this cultivation of 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 the mind. So let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you know, your your most famous win. You know, Black Ball Open, 19 years old. I watched that whole tournament and that's the tournament I actually analyzed I went round by round and analyzed um, what you were doing so let's discuss this week in your life very special week in your life very special tournament talk us through what was happening that week from mindset to the way you played you can go round by round if you want uh, well mindset wise I would say that I was really focused on my first round I knew that if I, I win my first round I was going to play against Kami um and that was something that I was really looking forward to because I lost to Kami a week earlier in Chicago in five setters. And uh, it was a really tough match in Chicago. So I wanted to get my revenge the next week. And I think that's something that I was really looking forward to. After winning Kami, I was, I was kind of... I wouldn't say I was satisfied and I was okay that whatever happens, happens. But I would say that I was a little bit more relaxed now that I, I took my revenge. So, um, yeah, and then I played against Amanda, if I remember correctly, yes. Um, um, I lost to Amanda two weeks before Black Ball as well, and, wow. and I kind of knew what I did wrong, and I was so angry at myself when I lost to Amanda because I knew that I, was, I wasn't doing so much wrong. It's just that I, I didn't keep going. I couldn't, I couldn't do the, the plan consistently. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I was so focused definitely, uh, in Amanda's match to uh, try at least to, to, to do less errors. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, when I reached the semifinals against SJ, I, I was so happy and I was like, wow, I did, I did something I never done. And that's something definitely so good. Yep. Um, but then I feel like I started to be a little bit. Mm, uh, not focused on the tournament I was a little bit on social media and how people are reacting to my wins okay. and definitely that, that's something that for sure is going to happen when it's my first World Cup finals and I reach semi-finals and then I and then it's not like I reach the semi-finals not winning or winning or winning someone who's lower seated than me I, I've beaten all the higher seated so it was definitely something that it was special yes. and then I had to to take a step and I had to like turn off all my notifications because it was really I would have exploded if I <laughs> if I if I continued seeing all, everything wow. and then yeah um SJ was definitely a tough match definitely because mm -hmm. I that was the second time I played against her and the one time I played against her was like three three years ago and um in the British Open in Hull. So I didn't know what to expect really from SJ and and definitely she's so experienced and and I was just still 19 years old and I didn't know what to do or how to, to, to react to whatever situation. Um, yeah, and then against Noor in the final, I think I remember correctly that when I was warming up before the match, I was, I wasn't there and I was speaking to my coach. I was like, I feel like my body and my mind are not there. I don't know why, but I can feel myself while I'm warming up. I was, I wasn't feeling right. Mm -hmm. But then when we spoke and he was like, no, it's okay. Don't think like this. I think you're just stressed and that you want to win and you know, you can do it. So maybe that's something affecting you. And that's something that is definitely maybe putting you down a little bit so um so yeah i took my uh warming up as as a mental session and not really something that i'm gonna warm up my body for or get ready for the match physically it was definitely more mental than physical at the time and um and yeah i think i think that i would say it really worked Wow. So listen, there's so much there for me to unpack. So I, I, I just wanted to ask so many questions as you're talking there, but I wanted to let you uh, speak and, and talk about this amazing week in your life. So 
losing to those two players the week before, Camille or Camille and then Amanda before that, you you know, what kind of changes did you put in place to beat Camille and beat Amanda? You said you would have had to go back and maybe analyze your game and, and think about it. Can you remember what you try to put in place to be able to beat those players, first of all? Well, against Camille in Chicago, it was, it was definitely an exceptional match because I think the ball was, wasn't really okay that day. And, and if we look at that match, both of us, we couldn't, we couldn't actually like, put the ball away. We just kept playing to the back, drives, crosses. It was just, if, if you can look at the time frame of the match or even the rallies, you, you'd say that this is not a women's match. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, so I think that was exceptional, and that didn't suit me. And um, in black ball, it's a different, it's different conditions, uh, different court, different ball. So definitely, definitely was was much easier to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, against Amanda, the main thing I wanted to concentrate up, and the main thing I analyzed after my match against her in Cincinnati was. Um, was that I think that after I've made a good rally and I've actually I've put so much pressure against Amanda in this area or in that rally, I just I started to make errors out of the blue and that was something that I had to 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 limit and to to, to do less in order to to beat Amanda. Right. So you thought your game plan was good. It was just it was just those those like cheap mistakes after good rallies. You tried to address yes. that. Yeah. And what yes, did, you, yes, yes. did you do? Some mental work on that. Did you do visualization? How, how did you? Or was it just the story you told yourself? No, it's. Uh, I think it was all patience and all how. Maybe maybe I would say I I I played a little bit less risk, risky mm-hmm. at black ball against Amanda, okay. and I just waited for the right opportunity and the right one means the one that I'm pretty sure that I'm not gonna miss. Maybe it made the rallies go longer and longer, but. It was okay. At least I, I did. I took less risk. Yeah, it worked very well, obviously. And then it's so interesting for you to say about when you reach the semi-final. How obviously that's an amazing experience, and it's everyone's giving you these messages and social media. For you to turn off social media, I can, like you said, I can imagine you want to go with it and go. Oh, this is amazing! I want to enjoy it. So, did did you decide that yourself, or did you get some help with deciding that I need to turn my social media off? Or what what happened there? Uh, well, no, I actually, I decided it. Um, so many things you'll have to see in social media and so many things you'll have to go through that you won't even like. Yeah. Um, especially before my final against Noor, I, um, I saw in so, on so many pages um, the, the surveys and all the votes about uh, Noor's going to win, Hanya's not going to get a game and things like this. And that's when you start to feel really frustrated and that's when you just gonna turn off your notifications and you're gonna definitely prove them wrong yeah well that, that that's powerful to be able to do that and 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 then looking at that final so you know sj as you said very experienced player hits the ball lovely really accurate and i can imagine your self-belief was growing yes so you know round by round you're getting more confident your beliefs growing but then can you just talk us through what you said about that, that, that warm up before the final, how you, what you did with your mind and how you just changed your attitude because you said you felt like mind and body weren't there. Can you talk on that? Yeah, I think, I think if I'm not sure if I remember correctly, but I think that when I started to feel like this, I just, uh, uh, saw my coach was there with me on the court while I was warming up. Usually I, I don't like anyone being around before my match, like two hours before my match or three hours before my match. My parents, everyone, my friends, even my coach, they all know that I don't want to speak to anyone. It's just, it's only me. But then that day, um, I remember Haisam was, was, was with me on the court and he was like, I was doing lunges and I was warming up and he was right beside me. And we were actually talking and we were speaking and I had to take off my AirPods because I had to, I had to speak to someone. I had to release the stress mm-hmm. somehow. Um, and I would say I used to actually, maybe I closed my eyes for a, for a second and I had to visualize the way I trained and and what I need to do definitely in that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that helped me get into it a little bit. 
Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. And, and then the final itself was, was just phenomenal watching that and the emotions. And so yeah, talk us through that final, like what's going on in your mind, what's your voice like, uh, what were their thoughts about, I'm going to win this big event. Can you talk about your mind in that final? Because it was, it was just brilliant. I don't know. I think that I was a little bit overwhelmed to be honest. Um, when, when I watched that match, every time I watch it, I, I'm like, I screamed a lot. <laughs> every every point I, I won, I was like, I was screaming, I was cheering up for myself and it was really loud. And I was like, honey, you need to calm down next time. That's too much. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I think that's because I was, maybe maybe I knew I can win, but then that was the first time I was getting it for sure. Mm. And, and that was the first time I was seeing, I was seeing how, maybe how powerful I was on court and how and and how much I I um I put a threat on Noor definitely mm-hmm. and I was able to see how how stressed she was and I don't know I, I mean playing against Noor is, is obviously really hard and even though she was injured or she wasn't on her best shape she was able to win all the tournaments before black ball. So even even if she was injured, I know I know she was she she has the ability to beat anyone. So um, and she's in the final as well. So she's beating everyone. In yeah, the, and she's well. yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, so yeah, and and definitely um, every time I played against Noor, for example, in uh, in the World Champs in, in front of the pyramids, I I beat Kami. And then the next day I had more and I was really tired and I, I couldn't see the ball and I didn't show up at all. Right. So maybe, and I was really frustrated after that match because I knew I, I could have performed better. Mm. So definitely in the final against Noor, maybe the, uh, I analyzed it this way. I said maybe I was screaming and I was really angry at myself because I was finally able to, to perform the way I wanted to perform back at the tournament uh, in front of the pyramids. Wow, that's really cool. It sounds like there's a combination of excitement and frustration at the same time when you're screaming, you know, frustration about maybe not performing well against the last time, but excitement knowing that you're in in the moment in the zone and this is your best mm-hmm. tournament. And yeah, like watching it, I think when I analyzed it, I, I, I made a comment on that. I think I was like, I love the emotion and I love how it's coming out. But, but how can that also go the other way? Like, can you become too emotional? And so was there ever a time in that final where, where there was some doubt? And was there a voice coming in saying, oh, I'm, I'm close, I'm match ball, or I'm a couple of points away? Did you ever have that voice? Or was it always quite a positive voice? Um, well, actually, I did have that kind of voice. And that was in the fifth, in the fifth game. I had a first game ball. And then and when I had an arch ball, I'm sorry. And then when I had it, I first looked at my coach and I was like, is that for real? Wow. And then, and, and then he looked at me and he was like, he, he did like this. And he was like, calm down. You, you just need to relax right now. And then I lost that first match ball. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then when I had the next one, I was definitely, I was like, I'm going to just serve. I'm going to play the serve right away. I'm not going to think, and I'm just going to keep it going. And uh, Gladly, it worked. It did. It worked perfectly well. But that's, that's, it's so, again, you're human, you know, having those thoughts, your match ball up against it, because Noah was world champion at the time, wasn't she? And world number one, I think, or maybe world number two. But, you know, competing with her at that moment is only natural. You're going to have that little doubt in your mind. And, but that leads me on to my next little bit, which is, again, thank you for living that with me. But talk about your relationship with your coach, because I think those relationships are really strong for, for the mind and the mental toughness. So, can you talk about how you work on the mind with your coach? Um, well, definitely with Haitam, uh, we work a lot on the mental side, and that's something not only for my my progress in in squash and for the ranking, but definitely because as a as a as a squash coach, he knows he knows my abilities and he knows that I can do something. But but sometimes I can't show up what he's trying to teach me because I'm really I'm really stressed and I'm really nervous Mm -hmm. so for him it must be a little bit frustrating and he has to be a little bit patient with me when 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 sometimes I can I can handle my emotions and um and during this off season before we started we had so many conversations so many chats about how 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 grateful I should be 
for my place right now and and that I shouldn't rush things. So um so yeah, hi Sam said if I want to be a world champ tomorrow or world number one tomorrow and then I paused for a few seconds and I didn't know what to say because obviously deep inside me I want to say yes, but then I knew that's not realistic and I'm not gonna be a world number one tomorrow. So so then. I decided that I'm going to tell him, no, I don't want to be with number one tomorrow. Exactly. And then when I said no, he was like, why did you say no? I know you want to be a with number one tomorrow. But in order to be one as soon as possible, you just need to relax in order to show your performance and to, to, to be able to play and, and learn. Because I won't be able to teach you as much as I want to if you're not relaxed and if you don't, if you don't try to, to focus on what I'm telling you. That's such powerful advice. I love the way he says that, both in regard to your attitude to becoming world number one, you know, relax yourself, but then the more relaxed you are, the more you can absorb information from him. So I think yeah. it, it was two parts, which, which sounds really, really powerful. Yeah. Um, that, well, I was going to, I want to ask this question now because I think it might link in. And, and so how do you balance your life uh, to help you deal with the pressures of competing? So for example, staying mentally fresh, because I think, I think we both realize that mental freshness is really important. So any, any advice on balancing in your life? Well, I, I think it all depends from one person to another. Sometimes I feel like I need to finish my hit or my practice and then go back home and relax my mind, relax my body. And some days when I when I feel like I'm not happy with my with my training and I feel like I'm not training well or I'm not in the mood, I'm not focused, that's when I start to think that I need maybe to go out with my friends, um, maybe get my mind away for a while. And I think it varies from one person to the other. So um, mm-hmm. some people will, will do the, the, the opposite, the complete opposite. And when they think they are training really well, they would go out with their friend as a reward or as whatever. And when they are not in the mood or not finding themselves inside the training, they would just stay at home as, as a punishment or as a way of trying to, to get themselves into it. Yeah. So, so what, what do you think works for you the best? Uh, is it seeing your friends after your training session? Is that what relaxes your mind and gives you freshness, you think? Um, I think, yes, when, when needed. When needed, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, that's not always the case because ha- I'm, I'm still studying in uni and sometimes I just have to finish my training and go and run back to the house so I can, so I can do my assignments and catch up uh, before my exam the next day. So, so it's not always like white. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, it, so, it sounds yeah. like, um, it sounds like the studying is, is a natural thing that will take your mind off squash as well, like enforce it, it. You know, you have to, you have to get to your exams and study. How are you enjoying your studies at the moment? And, and are they, are they manageable and do they help your squash career? Do you think? Uh, well, so far they are manageable. Um, especially because they are online and everything is on Zoom and I don't have to go to college. But uh, I remember my first semester when I had to start as a freshman, I used to go to the uni and then I was I, I was really busy. I have to finish this lecture and run run to the club and have to catch my training and then go back to uni because I have another lecture later. Oh, wow. So it wasn't really it wasn't really fun, mm-hmm. I have to say. But uh, right now it's 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 not that bad. Okay. What What are you studying? Uh, marketing. Marketing. Okay. What Why did you yeah. choose marketing? Or what were you interested in? Um, I think that was the easiest major that I had <laughs> that I had to take what, to in order to play squash. But yeah, but Fair definitely enough. I'm I'm much more interested in other stuff. But I I'm pretty sure that I have to be completely available for the yeah. for the major. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. <laughs> well, it's a wild <laughs> choice. She's a nice play lots of make sure none of your uh, lecturers or teachers are listening to this because then they'll be like <laughs> um, so having a look at the Egyptian squash model it's amazing we we know the players it's producing um I suppose there's two questions I want to ask here in one so so it sounds like you have a lot of role models. So a lot of the older players help the younger players, you know, maybe they give advice and, and Al-Walili and maybe Al-Tayeb, they speak to the younger players. So that's the first part of the question is understanding that. But then the second part is what, what do you do when you have to compete with them? So if they're giving you advice to a certain point, but then all of a sudden now, as you are, you're, you're a rival in a competition. So what do you think on that? Um. I think there's something behind it, that's for sure. Um, if I look back at, at how I played against Noor Tayyib or Anil Reilly, because obviously these two were, were actually the only two that maybe gave me a huge boost during my junior career and during a lot of setbacks in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, if I look back at how I used to play against Noor, I would say that I was okay playing against Noor, even though I knew how how nice she was and how helpful she was at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't seem to bother me a lot. Um, but when I played against Raneem, I, I don't know why. It didn't seem to work really well for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's because definitely she knew how to deal and how to put a great plan against me, or that's because I... I actually, I loved Raneem so much. She, she, she is my role model, and I think that's maybe why I couldn't, I couldn't find a way to beat her. Maybe. Yeah. But maybe at the time, the last time I played against Raneem, I, I think it was at Shanghai, like two years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I, I couldn't find a way to beat her, or I couldn't find a way to put aside that I, I absolutely adore her and, I, and she's my role model and try to think that, yes, why not? I can beat her. Mm. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely, that's something definitely I would say that's in your mind. Mm. And, and at the time, I, don't, I, I couldn't actually beat this. Uh, yeah, this it must be hard because obviously, yeah, she's your hero, idol. You know, she it sounds like she's giving you great advice as a junior and then you're having to compete mm-hmm. with her. But look, I, I think we all know how amazing she was and her hands and mm-hmm. her brain yeah. was unbelievable. So I know she's obviously, she's had her child quite recently. Do, do you still speak with her? Do you, does she help you at the moment or what's yes. the relationship like? Uh, well, definitely, Raneem is uh, is quite busy now with uh, with their baby boy. So, uh, but yeah, we keep uh, we keep getting in touch every now and then, and uh, and I meet Tarek uh, in uh, in the club because we train with Haysam, the same coach. So, uh, so I def- we definitely catch up. Oh, amazing. Well, yeah, it's, it's, I'm really glad that she's still able to give you some advice. And yeah, hopefully when things are less busy, she will uh, she'll influence you even more. So I'm curious to know, and you may, we maybe just touched on this. Uh, visualizations do you do you practice visualizations do you do you uh, imagine the matches and go through them what's your process with that um i do i do visualize matches sometimes i do and but that's not something that i i train for and i think it just comes like this when i'm when i'm alone in the room before my match i start visualizing what i need to do mm-hmm. what if she changes her plan and she starts doing this and what maybe what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when I speak to Haifam before my match, we, I start telling him what I thought about the match and, mm-hmm. and my thoughts and how, how they can change during the match. Mm-hmm. And then I hear his, his thoughts and we just try to come to an ideal. Mm-hmm. And, um, and definitely visualization. I don't think it works for anyone. I think that's something I, I don't know if I'm doing it correctly because sometimes I over visualize things and that makes me overthink that's for sure. Mm. So um so I think there's a balance that I have to definitely find in order to to make it work. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. It, it varies for a lot of people. Um, the people I've had a chat to, some people love visualizing maybe the, the, the more the technical side of it where like they feel hitting the ball. Other people mm -hmm. maybe like you visualize more game plans and strategies. And most of the players I spoke to, they only really found visualization in the second half of their career. A lot of them, like, you know, Muhammad, James, Nick, talking about visualization when they're 27, 28, and how powerful it was then. They, they realized when they were young. And yeah, it is, it's a thing I think that, yes, you can try it when you're young, but it's probably something over time when you get to know your mind even more yeah. that you can make it even more powerful for you. But yeah, like, you know, so, so would you say your visualization is more strategy-based and tactic-based? Yes, yeah, 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 that's for sure. Nice. Yeah, cool. Well, good luck with that journey because it's something I, I love and I'm trying to trying to get players to think about it in, in, in a certain way. Um, but, you know, watching you play, you, you, you exhibit a very strong belief in your game and yourself. You know, you look like you know yourself and know your game really well. Where does this come from? Um, I would say it's my character. This is my personality, I would say. Um, I choose in anything, not just squash. I feel like if I want to do something, I, I, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And 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 you'll find me knowing whether I can do it or not. Some things in life I think I want it, but I know I'm not going to do it. So why would I bother? But this, but I'm good at squash. I know that this is this is something I'm really good at. And I, I believe that I can do whatever I, I want in squash. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know, there's there's something that, that I try to study and talk to people about is how much are you born with it? How much it is your character or how much is, is it environment? You know, I think it's always a combination of both. Yeah. Your yeah, environment is sure. a youngster. So, yeah. so what, do you, what do you think on that? There was a bit of you that you think is born with this belief, but you think also your environment helped grow your belief? Yeah, I think that that was the case. Definitely I was born with it. And I think since I was really young, people would say that I'm really hungry and I really, I, I hate losing. And definitely no one likes to lose. Mm -hmm. But maybe this, this is a little bit extra for me. And we fight a lot, Tyson and I, during hits and during, when I'm playing uh, practice matches. And he, he's like, lose it. We don't care. We're just training. We're doing something. We're, we're playing here today because we're trying to, to learn something and to master it. And yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I, I know that I have to beat this person. So whatever it takes, I'm going to beat it. Mm. So, um, and that really, that really, that really like drives him crazy because he's like, okay, that's great. That's a great mentality that you have, but that's for tournaments. And that's something that maybe makes me think that even in tournaments, even if I'm not playing well, or even if I, if, if it's a bad day, I have to find something else. To win mm. and that's that's what i want to do in practice matches even if it's not working whatever height i want you to do okay now you're not gonna coach me i'm in the middle of the game you're not gonna tell me anything different so i want to win because i know that i would have to find another alternative and i'll have to win yeah so listen the way, way you're saying there is very similar to what what top athletes and other sports talk about as well that almost perfectionism almost like in in training and everything we do but when, I, when I've also spoken to her, that Laura was a great example. She says she was like that as a youngster and she had to learn to just soften a little bit and just make her mind a little bit softer. So have you found that that obviously it's working and it's doing well, but have you obviously considered maybe the, the softer side sometimes? And do you think that's something to investigate? Um, that's something I'm definitely trying to learn right now. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm mastering it because uh, for sure I'm not. And it caused me a lot of trouble the last couple of tournaments. So, um, so yeah, that's definitely something that I'm trying to explore right now. And hopefully I can, uh, yeah. I can learn it. <laughs> and that, that's exactly why, you know, speaking to you and seeing where you're at with your mind now. And if, if we get the luxury to speak in a few years time or a year's time to see if it's slightly changed a little bit and you're, you're on a journey, you know, and, and, and so many of the players, that are successful know themselves really well. And it sounds like you're on that amazing journey at the moment, but uh, look, you're an unbelievable mover. You know, you're so athletic on the court. How do you think this helps your mental toughness? Is there, is there a, a, a link between your movement and athleticism and your mental toughness, you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. There's definitely a link between them. And, um, and that's something that lately I've been really proud of because uh, so many matches I know that even if I'm not playing good squash I know that I can I can back it up with my physicality and that's something that's really that's an advantage for anyone mm. and definitely I'm grateful for that um 
but right now what I'm trying to do is that I'm trying to stop thinking a little bit this way because I think that this makes matches even longer for me and sometimes harder and it doesn't leave so much room for energy for other matches. Mm -hmm. So um, as much as it's a very good thing and I know that this is an advantage, I think that maybe that's something that needs to be changed a little bit. Mm. Yeah, well, again, it's it's a lovely weapon to have, but you, know, you, don't, you don't want to have to rely on five setters one hour each yeah. round obviously working on being a bit more ruthless and clinical by the sounds of it. And so what's your inner voice like, you know, again, linked again to your physical side. So, so what are you telling yourself when things aren't going quite right and things aren't quite working? So can, can you, I know we spoke about it before, but can you expand on your inner voice and, and the message you give to yourself? Uh, can you repeat that? Yeah, just just think when about, exactly. Yeah, like I, I'm thinking about your inner voice when things aren't really going that well. Like, okay. how how are you trying to get yourself back into the match, or what are you telling yourself? You know, I think we all have it. We have that the doubt come in and going, "Oh man, they playing like this, and I'm not playing very well." How, what do you do to help your inner voice? Do you think? Well, it really depends on who I'm playing against, because some some players I'm playing against, I know for sure that if I keep the rally longer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the advantage, and and it really depends. Come, so um, some players I'll tell myself that just keep it going, keep it longer, and and you're 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 tougher, and you're gonna get out of this if if you just keep keep playing long rallies. Yeah. Other players I'll just tell myself that you need to be patient, and and it's it's not the time, even if they are really strong physically, and even if they 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 can keep going on with, with me uh doesn't matter but patient is definitely one of the keys that i have to use sometimes mm. and look it's obviously linked to your physical side you you got that great athleticism on your side so having that inner voice reinforcing patience and and i suppose this is something that you discuss with your coach and even yourself the idea of of putting that strategy in place before you go on the court is that something you discuss with him and, and talk about the, the 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 words you might use when you're playing or, or do you go into that detail uh, no, not really. That's not something really. that I I do with myself, and because um, at the end of the day, this is something mental, and I don't think that a coach can can control this. Because whatever whatever anything he says, Haitam or any other coach to to his players, it's not gonna work on court. It's never gonna work because you can't control your emotions in there, and that's something that it's it's really hard, and it's definitely it's definitely challenging for any player. Yeah, you have to figure it out by yourself. You know, like, yes, you can have the support network of family and coach and friends, but it's you that's in the battle, isn't it? It's you the one that's in that moment having to do it. So um, this, this question might be appropriate or not, but uh, maybe it is. Um, do you get nervous? And if you get nervous, do you, how do you handle your nerves? Or are you, are you not a nervous person? What do you think? Uh, well, I am a nervous person, okay. that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure, yes. Uh, well, um, before matches, it's it's really I think it's easier before matches when you, when you're in the room and you're just listening to music or watch a movie, a funny movie or something. That's this part really easy. Mm. But then when you when you're on your way to the to to the club and you know you have a match in an hour and you're nervous, that's when you start to. I think that made me like know myself a little bit better and know what works for me before the match and what doesn't. And um, I think that when that's, that's something personal, that's for sure. Um, I feel like when I have like um, a very short solo hit before my match, that's something that relaxes me a little bit. And I feel like, you know, even, I don't know. I feel like I'm, it's like I have like an extra 15 minutes of studying. Okay. And that's something that, <laughs> I don't know it gives me confidence and yeah. and sometimes when it's not really working well in this 15 minutes of total before my match it's like it's like hell that's for sure and I start to think like this area didn't work before my match so I'm really really stressed out and I don't want to go to the match and, and try and I, I'll just try to avoid this area during the match mm. so um but yeah but most of the time it works well and most of the time it's it's definitely something that gives me confidence. 
Yeah, like is, is again, it's such a such a horrible thing, nerves. But if if you can if you can channel it and find a way to reduce it, but also make it motivating at the same time, you know, a lot of athletes I I know struggle with the nerves. So you know, hearing your methods is is good, and hopefully the people listening can can take some good advice on that. So I'm also curious to know how you handle setbacks. So for example, bad bad result or a bad training block. What's your process for handling those setbacks? Um, well, I wouldn't say it's really good. Um, um, well, I, the thing is, it's really hard when you, when you just have to take the setback really, I'm going to say professionally more because like you're, you can't accept a, a bad result. You, you can't accept it right away because if you do, then, then you're okay with losing. And that's something that I hate. So, um, so sometimes I'm really tough on myself and sometimes I have to blame myself because I think that that wasn't all right. I didn't manage it well. And, um, and definitely I have to take responsibility for this loss. So, um, so yeah, I think it really, it really hits me. And I, I try as much as I can to take some days off and then in order to just calm down, because if I start analyzing the match or analyzing my loss right away, it's not going to go well because yeah. I will be so angry. Mm-hmm. So it just I take some few days off, relax my mind, and then, and then go back at it and then start watching the match and analyzing what I did wrong mm-hmm. and what things I, I have to change in order to not get blocked in the same situation again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really powerful for players to... To, to, to know how to deal with the setbacks. You know, I think um, I got it wrong when I was playing. I, I used to go and punish myself the next day, court sprints and train harder, but it would then put more pressure on me for my future matches. And yeah, I wish I'd, I'd been easier on myself mentally at, at a certain point. So it sounds like you're, you're hopefully dealing with it, with it well. And again, with your support network of your coach and parents and family, I, I think it's really important to, to get that. Um, so we talked a lot about a few different matches and especially that Black Ball Open. But besides the matches we've talked about, can you relive some of your more special matches or moments on the PSA tour? Did any come to mind that are really special for you? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I, well, the first one I would say, I don't think so many people remember this, but that's something that it's right at the back of my mind and I will never forget. And that's my first biggest win, which is against Nicole David in Chicago. Uh, I was stood up down and then I came back and won on five. And that was something that, that was really <laughs> unbelievable for me. Um, so I think actually, what, what, yeah, why was it unbelievable? What 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 was going on with the emotions and the yeah, feeling? Yeah, it was one of the one of the biggest wins, that's for sure. But it's not a normal biggest win. It's mm-hmm. against Nicole David. It's 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 something <laughs> definitely out of the world. I, I yes. and when it comes to Nicole, I am definitely out of words because I don't know what to say. Whatever I say, it's not gonna be enough. And um, and yeah, I think I think that day, no one would have believed that I was gonna beat Nicole. Mm. And I remember that day, I was I was driving with my the Uber the Uber um, the Uber driver, and he was like, "Oh, you're a squash player. Who are you playing against today?" And I was like, "Nicole David." And he was like, "Yeah, I know her." And he was like, "Wow, she's <laughs> she's a great great woman, and she's a she's really inspiring." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm losing to her today. Yeah, I know." Thanks for the advice, and, Uber driver. Yeah. <laughs> what are you yes. doing? <laughs> yeah, but then, and then it turned really well, and amazing. I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't have dreamed of winning Nicole that day. To be yeah. honest, I wish yeah. I wish you'd got the same Uber driver on the way back to to have the same. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was, what yeah. was Nicole like after the match? Did she speak to you? Did you say anything? Who? Nicole, did you say anything to you after the match? Um, no, not really. No, no. no she's probably upset no. with herself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <That's> yeah. <laughs> but she's been really nice. She's been really nice, and um, and I really respect her. And uh, and I've had so many messages of uh, of congratulating me after yeah. so many wins. So it's definitely definitely something that yeah, uh, I should hold on to. Yeah, she's a lovely person. Like for what she's achieved, and uh, you know, in Malaysia, she is she is royalty in Malaysia. You know, like people, everyone knows who yeah. she is. But she still gives a lot back to the game. Talks to people. Um, I'm hopefully going to get her on this show at some point soon. So I'm working hard on that. So any other matches that come to mind? That was very special. Any other tournaments that you can think of that were meant a lot to you? 
Yeah, well, definitely my match against uh, Kami in uh, in front of the pyramid. Um, well, it seems that all my biggest wins starts with me being two of down and then winning in five, and then that's when my confidence starts to to show up, and that okay. maybe maybe I can start earlier, and maybe if I do it correctly the next time, it it will help me. It will yeah. help me. It will help me to get a win faster, maybe and. And yeah, so that match as well was really was really uh, special. And and then there's the one against Nurta Nurshibini, of course, in the Black Ball Open. Mm-hmm. And then we're tied in the World Tour uh, Finals. Yes. So uh, that was the recent one, the most recent one. So. Um, oh, amazing! And just just yeah. on that on that, you know, Nicole David, two love down, Camille Sum, two love down, and coming back and winning. You know, yes, you might not choose to win that way, but it obviously sounds like you've got something there within you that there's still a belief from that two love down. So, what, mm-hmm. what's happening when you two love down? What's what what's going on in in your mind? Do you think? And and what are you what are you telling yourself to keep that belief? Well, I think I'm going to speak of the match against Nuria Taib in the World Tour Finals because that was the most recent one. I was two love down at them, and and then I I won in five. And I remember that match. I I was maybe forcing things a little bit and I I knew I knew the game plan it's, it's not like I, I was doing much wrong it's just that maybe I needed to add something to my game plan in order to to win so I think that after being to have done every time I started thinking that okay you, you're already losing you're one game away from losing so so it's fine just think because okay you might you might lose in, in like after five minutes you're gonna be at home mm-hmm. and you're gonna be so mad at yourself so now at least if you're losing just lose with much more effort and try to show something different do something different maybe it's, it's gonna work because if I keep playing the same way I'm playing I'm gonna lose because I'm not gonna do anything different so definitely I I have every time I have to start thinking um, in another like game plan or another or another um, another way to yeah. win um but in the world to find it was more special because i um, there was no coaching so haifa my coach wasn't wasn't there to tell me anything and and that definitely was really well really good for me because i started to develop this this um this process of trying to change my game plan on my own because i used to to suffer a lot from this when I was younger mm-hmm. and I used to hate going to tournaments when Haitham is not around because okay. I don't like playing without coaching. So, um, so yeah, I was really proud that day because I was able to, to, I managed to find a way on my own to, to, um, to win. Good. That sounds really powerful. And, and yeah, something that I think, you know, if you can do it yourself, great. You've got your coach and your support network, but yeah, ultimately if it comes from within makes a huge, huge difference. And yeah, I, I just, I, I, it reminds me of when I've heard other people talk about that. If you're going to lose, at least make your opponent know that you're there, at least leave something on them. Yeah. Even if it's still three love, at least make them think, well, next time she's not going to go away. You know, it's going to, there, there's something sure. I can leave on them. And, and it sounds like mm-hmm. that's a similar attitude to you, would you say? Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. That's what I really think of when I'm losing and when I'm too love down, at least just give them a hard time, make her on her toes every point. And, and, and that's, that's enough effort for next time. Yeah. And that's gonna leave her leave her really worried for next time, and um, and that's something that I I I see now when I'm playing when I'm playing against someone that is lower seated and and I'm expected to beat her in free love and then I find her really playing well. That's definitely gonna gonna put so much pressure on me for the next time, and I'm not and I'm not gonna like relax on yeah I have a match and then what's next? No, yeah. I'm just I have to focus on that one because she's she's not easy to play. Yeah, and that's that's brilliant advice. So yeah, hopefully people are absorbing that that are listening. So um, just before we started recording, and and you've been really kind with your time, so I'm not going to keep you too much longer. You did say that you you love the mental side of the game and you're very curious on it. I know we've talked a lot of different avenues here, but is there anything you want to talk about or anything that 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 we might not have covered within regard to the mind? Maybe there is one thing, but I mean, it's it's not that I'm. I'm moaning about it or something. That's something that I really, I am trying to work on myself 
to to beat this thing mm -hmm. and that's the 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 effect of referees or decisions on 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 people during the match yeah please, um, i'm curious about this this is a great yeah, great yeah, it's, i mean it, it's definitely something that plays a huge role in the match and definitely when critical points comes in and and you start to feel like you're not getting the right decisions it definitely it definitely plays with you and it plays with your mind and I, I never I never throw my losses on referees or or say that I lost because of this or that decision. It's just that it's something that maybe they do, people maybe like underrated, but mm -hmm. it's definitely something that that bother players and it definitely it can cause one of the one of the losses for sure. So can you give some examples of when that's happened? Uh, you don't have to name people or names, but 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 what's happened to you in regard to your mental state when when that that is a situation? No, it just it just happens a lot that sometimes we find rules decisions and rules are are changed and now we we are okay and we are used to that decision and that it's gonna go this way and then all of a sudden goes to the right way to the other way. I see, and, right. I see what you're saying. And why does it happen when we know that this this case, for example, when when I hit someone with a cross court from the back of the court, and that's for sure that's a stroke. Mm -hmm. Why is it a let at the end? And and we know the situation. We know when is it, when hitting your opponent is a let, and when hitting it is a stroke. So it's um, it's um, it's really weird and it's really frustrating. But um, so you think? But yeah, I think the lack, of, the lack of consistency in the rules is is playing a bit of a part in regard to the, the mind and and how you deal with things sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And um, as I said, I'm not throwing anything on anyone. It's it, it's all me, and it's all me how to um, how to handle this, and how, as I said in the beginning, find an alternative and win whatever is happening. But uh, at the black ball, last black ball, I remember one one call that I that I had to deal with that it wasn't really correct. Yeah. And then with the match against. The uh, Ferris and Ferris is we entire moment. The same shot happened, and then it went it went completely the right way, okay. how it was supposed to go. Oh wow! So, so it's it's really weird, and um, and yeah, but there's nothing we can do about it. It's just mm -hmm. that that's something that maybe it will help players get stronger mentally, and yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's it, I completely empathize with you. Again, I've lost to nowhere near your level, but lost tournaments and lost matches on, on one call. And when I reflect back, I'm like, yes, I felt it was unjust in that. But you said, obviously, you there's things that are outside of our control. And how much how much do we give our mind to the things that are outside of our control? So what, what are you trying to do when that happens when when you get given that really bad situation? And, and it's almost it could be classed as cheating yeah. almost what, what are you trying to do at the moment to help that? Well, nothing. I'm just trying to, to be okay with it. Because um, because yeah, uh, yeah, during the match, you just you get so frustrated and get so angry that you you think that why are they doing this? Why are they taking a wrong decision exactly. when they know that it has to be the other the other way? So um, so yeah, what I'm trying to do is that I'm trying just to let it go whenever it happens during even in practice matches. I know Haitam is out there and he's uh, he's like giving decisions whenever we need one. And sometimes I feel like he's giving me a rush decision, and I'm like, why? <laughs> and I, I need a review right now because I know that's not the case. It's not gonna be like this during the match. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes he he means it. He mm -hmm. he wants to give me a harsh decision in order to make me more familiarized with with whatever whatever is gonna happen in yeah. a real match. Yeah, well, there's two things that come to mind when you speak about that. And um, one thing, they, there's a guy called Michael Phelps, who's an Olympian swimmer. He's won the most gold medals mm -hmm. of all Olympics. Him and his coach agreed that his coach could could sabotage his session so he could change the goggles change the temperature of the water while he was swimming change the the, the suit he was swimming in and michael phelps just had to accept it and move on and there was yeah. many times then in tournaments where he went to the u.s nationals and things had changed but he had actually trained for it so there's there's quite there is something there about training or, or your coach giving you bad decisions on purpose to yeah. do. So that's the one thing and then the second thing which 
I've been trying to work on with some of my players is, you know, just even if it's a bit of visualization, even like you spend some time, three minutes visualizing the bad thing happening, but then you put your solution in place and you go, okay, so if it happens, maybe I've rehearsed the solution. It can't guarantee you're going to do it, but maybe Mm -hmm. you've just worked on it. And it sounds like you're already thinking about that, which is, which is, yeah, again, thinking, which I like. Awesome. And listen, Hany, this has been a real, real treat for me. Really, really thank you for your time. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope there's been some... Uh... Yeah, I did. It was really nice. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for your time. Oh, man. No, honestly, this has been way more my treat. And listen, um, when this when this recording goes out, Black Ball Open might have been played already. But hey, for, for now, I wish you luck in the tournament. I'm really looking forward to seeing you, you play. I think everyone is super keen to see what, what you're going to do. You know, you're in a, in a lovely position in the world, the world ranking, your age. A lot is on your side. So, hey, listen, if, if we can have this conversation again, maybe in a year or two years, you'll be probably harder to get hold of because you're going to be so popular. But I would love to have you back again. Definitely not. No, no, no. That's my uh, pleasure. That's for sure. Amazing. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Hania. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Presence. Process. Persistence. The essence of Squash Mind. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.